Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Tech Editor at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, our podcast about consumer tech. Not just gadgets, but also apps, services, and really anything that has to do with you, the consumer, and all of your personal tech questions. So send us your questions. We really do read them all. First, you can tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in embarrassed. We also have an email address. It's Too Embarrassed at Recode.net because we're bringing the .net back. Again, that has two R's and two S's. We also have a great back catalog of podcasts, which you can find on iTunes at iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. So check them out. Kara, this is the second week in a row I haven't seen your face. I was just saying to Eric, our producer, that uh-huh. I could pass you in the street right now and I might not even recognize you. <laughs> it's been so long. Probably not. Where, I look exactly the same. I'm in D.C. I'm in Washington, D.C., enjoying myself here. And I'm headed to New York and then I'll be back in San Francisco. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. So did you do any shopping this weekend? Because Black Friday? Uh, no, I hate shopping. I do all my shopping online. I do not do any. I try not to go into stores. I did go into an Apple store to exchange a phone for my kid, which was problematic and, and upsetting. But I managed to, to survive it. But I can't stand shopping. I don't like crowds. And uh, many years ago, I used to cover for the Washington Post when I lived here the retail sector. So I used to spend every weekend after Thanksgiving in malls counting shopping bags. And I just literally, I still have um, post-traumatic stress about that. Lucky you. I should mention that we are taping this on Cyber Monday. So today is the big day for online shopping. Although really, I think that the whole idea of Black Friday and Cyber Monday is just, I don't know, it's, it's ridiculous. Just made up at this point because all the deals start in November. In fact, I talked to some e-commerce experts who said that if you're waiting until November 1st to get your deals across, you're already behind. So um, so shopping's really been going on for a while, and it's going to continue to go on throughout the month of December. And that's actually what we're going to talk about on this week's podcast, holiday shopping, and specifically holiday shopping on Amazon. So we've brought in Recode Senior Commerce reporter Jason Del Rey. He's the best e-commerce reporter in the business, and he's going to talk about this. So Jason, thank you for joining us. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, of course. That's what yeah. happens when you come on. You are the best. Especially since I hired you, you're the best. Yeah, he's the I best. I'm going to come on every week. That's now. what everyone says. <laughs> they get so excited when we come on. We go through like their bios. We talk about their shoe sizes. We say how awesome they were at childhood sports. Like we really get into it when we introduce our guests. And then everyone says, yeah, "Oh my just, god, I can't wait to come back." You're like nicer than my mother. It's like you know, soccer captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Senior year. Let me go. start before you start, Jason. I just had lunch at the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, and I had lunch with the publisher uh, Fred Ryan, which was, and I got a tour of the new newsroom that that Jeff has has kindly provided the reporters there. And it's quite something. I was really impressed by uh, everything I saw. You're not leaving us, Kara, are you? <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. I'm moving to the Washington Post. I'm going back to my roots when I, I used to deliver mail at the Washington Post. And now I'm, I'm going to go back and deliver mail again. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to do everything within two days. Count shopping bags. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the reason exactly. why we want to talk about Amazon today is because, you know, I think a lot of people obviously use Amazon for their holiday shopping because of how easy it is. And because if you're a Prime member and you're already paying, you know, what is it, $99 per year, then you get free two-day shipping and now you get streaming video and all these other benefits, right? But there have been some reports right. in recent months that point out that in some instances, Amazon may not be offering you the best deal. Jason, tell us a little bit about this. Sure. So this has been, you know, this has gone back a long time, but the story cycle revs up around the holidays every year. So Amazon's super aggressive on pricing around the most popular products. So they give the perception 
that they have the best prices around. And oftentimes they do. But when you get into some of the, what, what in the industry you call the longer tail products, so maybe not as popular or not best sellers, they often find time to, to make a profit margin there. And, and so they, you know, if you shop around, you will, you will find better prices, you know, maybe not every time, maybe not every other time, but um, enough that you should, while you may still start your shopping on Amazon, it's really worth checking out across a variety of sites, especially when you're spending, you know, a good amount of uh, money on, say, consumer electronics or really anything that, uh, that you value and you value saving a few dollars on. In one of your reports on Recode.net, you cited some research from a firm called 360PI. They had done some comparison shopping between Google Shopping and then Amazon and said that Amazon was found to outprice Google Shopping only a quarter of the time of the, you know, the sampled shopping attempts, um, which I guess was somewhat surprising. Um, who is 360PI, first off? And second of all, is that kind of data surprising in any way? Yeah, so that's one of a one of a handful of companies that track prices online. Um, another one's called Boomerang Commerce, which often puts out a lot of this data, especially around the idea of price perception. So again, that's you know Amazon and others pricing really effectively on bestsellers to get to give the impression to consumers that they always have the best prices, and it and it often works. So that's surprising. I mean, oftentimes with some of this data, you'll see companies lump together when retailers will either match or beat Amazon on pricing, oftentimes just the matching percentage is higher than the beating Amazon percentage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, putting those together sometimes tell, tells a, a better story. But I think, you know, Google Shopping has really grown uh, in the last couple of years. Well, the advertising product that Google sells to help retailers compete has grown in popularity. Um and so some retailers will really target Amazon on certain products where they think, again, they can give the perception to consumers if they price it better than Amazon that they're beating Amazon across the board. But I will say that that number itself was was surprising to me. I mean, the thing to remember about Amazon is they are they are tracking everyone around them. When they are priced higher than someone, there's usually a good business case for it. Um, I saw some data today that oftentimes if competitors say Best Buy is out of stock on an item or only offering an item in store, Amazon may actually price that item on Amazon a bit higher because they they believe they can lure customers in, A, because they just have it in stock, and B, because they'll deliver it to your door and not, well, you know, isn't make that you... M- more to the account. point of this is is that you just don't buy on price necessarily. But one of the things they also do is put their own products and those of companies that pay for its services higher, you know, in the rankings, and that they try to uh, advantage those uh, also at the same time in the buy boxes and different things like that. Exactly. I mean, that, that that's a great point. One of the, you know, for Amazon Prime members, especially you know people who might be um, a little more well off, the sort of trust or you know, the fact that you know most of the time if you order two-day prime shipping with Amazon, you're going to actually get it, whereas, you know, in another retailer, you, you might not be sure. That might actually trump uh, saving a few dollars. And so, you know, there are plenty of Prime members who feel that way, and I and I get that. And as we get closer to um, the Christmas holiday, when there are more snafus and deliveries, some people, again, may may just go to Amazon because they, they trust they'll actually get it and getting it in the door so it's under the tree or wherever it might be for a family member or a friend trumps everything again. So 
Amazon knows what they're doing. I think again, I've I've sort of trained myself to while I started Amazon, check Google, um, and then maybe on big purchases, then go and check specifically maybe Walmart or Target or Best Buy before before falling back to that prime purchase. Mm-hmm. But I think the point is some people just want to buy from Amazon. Like I only want to buy. I just I know it sounds crazy, but it, it's so reliable that the the savings of 2 or 3 dollars is not like it's you have to keep putting you have all your information there. It's super easy. They have all your credit card. You know what I mean? Like there's something else going on there besides price and it's usually a very small price differential it tends well, it's to the be. brilliance I, th- I think it's the brilliance of prime which is the lot sort of the psychological lock-in that some people feel which is and i don't know if this is what you're speaking to but i know i feel it sometimes which is i'm already spending 99 dollars a year let me feel like i'm getting my money's worth and so you know an extra 99 cents here or there may not be enough to to move away from them. But, but, but I will say I've seen, you know, I've had friends reach out to me because they know my coverage area who will point out, you know, for a variety of reasons, they find out later that they, that they actually paid, you know, 10, $15 more on, let's say like a big, uh, uh, one case was a pack of paper towels. Now that's not holiday shopping, but th- they recognized later that you know they weren't looking at prices that carefully because they order everything from Amazon, and somehow later on they realized they paid twenty five dollars for like six rolls of paper towels. Now, you know that that's on them a bit, but um, there are there are certainly cases like this that are worth watching. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I fall into the same category as Kara. I know that there are these price discrepancies and that I should be a little bit more careful about shopping, but just the way in which Amazon has stored multiple addresses. I mean, I'm pretty much shopping, doing my holiday shopping for the same people year after year. And so all of their addresses are stored. And so I can just say, okay, send this one there, send this one there. And then knowing that it's going to arrive in in a relatively short amount of time. I just did this past weekend. I was I started my shopping. I did a bunch of shopping on Amazon, and then I went to another retailer site. Um, it was an outdoor apparel company that's pretty well known. And I placed the order, and I thought, okay, I feel pretty good about that one. And I found out it wasn't going to arrive at the person's house until December fifteenth. And even that was a little dicey, so sort of cutting it close. And I thought, well, this. I mean, if I had could have found this on Amazon, even if it was a little bit more, I probably would have paid more just because I would have felt good about the delivery. Yeah, that's mm-hmm, fair. Absolutely. I will say, I um, last night I I my wife was sitting at computer ordering some children's gifts. Uh, we have a big family, lots of cousins, lots of nieces and nephews, and she was on Target.com. And so I asked her, I asked her why why Target over Amazon, and it actually it, something I didn't think about a lot. But she said, you know, I know it's not super difficult to return something to Amazon, but I like the idea of being able to, if I want to, return something to a store 10 minutes away either direction. We Again, we don't live in smack center of a big metropolis, So, um, but I think this might be more reflective of what some suburban families might feel, which is still the ease of being able to get something that same day. Obviously, Amazon does same-day delivery in cities, and also having the option of a free return, you know, if I'm going to be in my car anyway, is is something that I think a lot of people still value. Over time, that may go away as Amazon gives easier and more efficient ways to to return items. But I think that's that's one factor that sometimes goes into people uh, choosing someone else. But obviously, the two of you do not fall into that bucket. <laughs> How concerned should people be about counterfeit products on Amazon? I would actually say 
there there are differences between shopping sites like Target, where everything they're selling you is inventory they own, and then Amazon and eBay and now Walmart, where some of the items on there might be sold by um, other merchants with Amazon either storing uh, the, the products themselves on behalf of the merchants or the merchants shipping from their warehouses. So I would say when you come, when, when you're talking about like big name brand products, um, there was obviously a case recently where Apple said something like, I think it was something like 90% of products on Amazon that had Apple branding or claimed to be Apple products were, were actually counterfeits. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, I think it is something to think about Amazon, now that, you know, I don't know if it's coincidental, now that it's getting a good amount of press, um, Amazon is now saying they are they are sort of stepping up their enforcement of counterfeits. Uh, they're stepping up their enforcement of fake reviews. Uh, I think when, when you're as powerful as they are right now, um, you, you need to do, do these things to protect yourself, and uh, they'll say to protect their customers too. Amazon, if you figure out the fake reviews part, um, let us know in the news business because maybe we can borrow some of your algorithms and figure out how to counter fake news um, as well, since that seems to be a big thing. So again, Jason, one of the things that is important to me, again, is this prime shipping and the ability to, I I always look for prime deals. I don't think I buy anything that's not prime anymore. I don't know why. I I just like it better and I like the whole system. But is that sustainable for Amazon? Because it obviously creates a great price situation for me and convenience too, not just price, but convenience and ease. Um, is that sustainable as more people to avail themselves to it? I think it is. I think they've put themselves in a situation where, you know, especially, you know, with, with how profitable their AWS business is, um, they're consistently able to move around the pieces and profits of different businesses and losses of other businesses to sort of uh, balance each other out. That said, I would not be shocked if we see a prime increase let's say in the next two years I know I, I guess it's been a it's been a couple of years since they bumped it up from 79 to 99 but they have just added so much value in video streaming music photo storage same day delivery free two-hour delivery in big cities that I think I think there's a case to be made they could bump it up a little now their end game is not to squeeze you know an extra let's say, out of each Prime member. Um, I think they would only do that if they really need to. But another way they're trying to counteract this is by starting to own more of the delivery process themselves. So more more of the logistics after uh, an item leaves an Amazon warehouse. Um, They're getting into, they're leasing out their own planes. They bought a bunch of truck trailers. They'll say it's to guarantee that they can meet the demand they have during the holidays. But everyone else in the industry will say it's also about cost cutting and over time, if they own more of their own transportation network, they will or they will save money on shipping and all that comes with the prime program. So right now it looks it looks sustainable. I mean, their growth is just still really strong in North America. It's always around 30 percent for their core business and revenue, which is astonishing at their size when you look at other retailers. So I, I'd be surprised if anything drastic happens. How much of those distribution plans involve drones? Well, um, you know, there's there's a little thing called regulation that's standing in the way of drone delivery. The UK has been freer uh, or a little more easy around this. And so Amazon has made a point to talk about all the testing they are doing in the UK. It seems really 
still pretty far off to me. Then again, you know, any any sort of crazy tech evolution always seems crazy until it happens. So I'm not spending a ton of time thinking about drone delivery today in the U.S. I am thinking, I, I am tracking it though, because you, you see places like China where JD.com, which is sort of um, a big retailer, that's the number two uh, site after uh, Alibaba's collection of sites. You know, they've, they're doing drone deliveries to rural areas. So people are out there trying it. I just, you know, regulation just continues to stand in the way in the U.S. I, I personally can't wait for the day when I can build a little heliport on my, uh, like in the, <laughs> my apartment on the porch and just have a drone, you know, arrive during the day and drop off whatever the pet food that I forgot or whatever I forgot, paper towels. And then just, I come pet home food's too and heavy. it's just, oh, wait. so you'll you just a, sit well, in your house you have cat, and become so a big, heavy cat no. litter is pretty, is pretty heavy. So you'll just sit in your house and be this <laughs> thing that just sits in your house and waiting for things. Is that no, correct? No, no, I'll be even busier because I'll never have to shop. And this is, so this is something that okay. we recently interviewed Astro Teller at uh, Google's, mm-hmm. you know, drone project, which yep. I think is going through its own struggles right now, as we, as we've all reported. But uh, we talked to Astro Teller about how drones could potentially sort of change us all from being this ownership society where we own all we go out and we acquire these things and we own these things to being an access society where like in this ideal world everything is just borrowed because you don't have to buy anything because you can just get it at the moment via drone like you don't go out and you buy batteries you borrow batteries or you don't you know go out and buy a power drill you borrow it because a drone comes and delivers it right and it's sort of this like you know crazy tech utopia uh type thing but as you pointed out, Jason, sometimes these things aren't so crazy in like a few years time. I guess it all depends on the regulation. And Yeah, I mean, I'm still I, I thought a lot about that kind of the effect on manufacturing of um, like the 3D printing push mm-hmm. uh, that was really hot in the press, maybe like, I don't know, four or five years ago and sort of how big product manufacturers would deal with it when you could just, you know, print something at home and Again, we're we're only four or five years out, so maybe we, maybe we need to look ten to twenty years out, which is sometimes hard to do. But sometimes a lot of hype isn't followed by reality. Then again, self-driving vehicles. I I thought up until a year ago was the most ridiculous thing ever, and uh, especially for for and you here all in San are. Francisco, you probably probably come across one weekly. I would say. I wouldn't say weekly, but there are definitely spots down in the Silicon Valley where you can drive and you can very easily see one. And you're like, oh, there it is again, clown car. Don't kill me. I've just been lucky when I'm in town because <laughs> I feel like I feel like I see one a visit. All right, all right, you two. We're <laughs> going to stop this Westworld discussion, and in a minute, we're going to talk more about online shopping for the holidays. But first, let's make some actual money. First up is a word from our sponsor, SoFi. This show is brought to you by SoFi, and today I'm talking to Claire Arthur's director of community and member success at SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company offering student loan refinancing, mortgages, personal loans, wealth management, and more. Today, I'm asking Claire a question that some people may be too embarrassed to ask about student loans. So now we're going to play a little bit of like role reversal. We have a couple of questions from users, correct? From your customers. Yeah, from our members. Yeah, exactly. Oh, members. We call them members. My parents are still on the hook for my student debt because obviously they co-signed. Right. But I'm on my feet and can pay it. How do I bring this up or get them removed from the loan? Yeah, this is a really good question and a source of stress for a lot of people. There's a statistic out by the Department of Education that says that 90% of all 
private loans mm -hmm. have a parent co-signer. Right. So I think the best way to bring this up is obviously same as the relationship advice. You have to be out in the open about it and talk to your parents about what impact it's having on their financial future. Mm -hmm. When the parents co-sign on the debt, it's then an obligation under their name as well. So it can affect their ability to, to access credit. See how SoFi can work for you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. This podcast is also sponsored by Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime is a talent platform that matches elite tech talent with top companies. They make it easier for software engineers to find and land their dream job. With their help, you can get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with one simple application. And when you're hired, Indeed Prime gives you a $2,000 bonus. That's their way of saying thank you. But if you use our Too Embarrassed to Ask link, you'll get a $5,000 bonus instead. So sign up now at Indeed.com slash Recode. Indeed Prime is 100% free for job candidates and helps hiring managers discover available high-quality talent. Learn more at Indeed.com slash Recode. So every week we do take questions from our readers or usually solicit comments from them online. But before we get into them this week, Jason, why don't you tell us quickly what's going to happen next week in San Francisco? Sure. So on December 6th, we're having a Future of Commerce event. It's a one-night event with interviews uh, that Kara and I are hosting with Jack Dorsey, Kate Hudson, who is one of the co-founders of Fabletics and obviously an actress that a lot of people know, and then the head of Apple Pay and the CEO of Wish, which is one of the most popular shopping apps in the world right now. So that is a tremendous lineup. And people can register by going to recode.net slash events, right? Yep, we're going to also give you some adult beverages and some food, and you're going to meet a lot of smart people from retail, e-commerce, payments industry, and uh, tech in general. Awesome. So if you're in San Francisco next week, December 6th, be sure to register online. It's going to be a great event. Recodes conferences and nighttime events are always fantastic. I can tell you that. I'm not just saying that because we're on the podcast right now for Recode. And so because she's coming for an adult drink. Um, um, so you can, we're going to get to some questions from uh, readers now about online shopping. Lauren, do you want to read the first question? Sure. So this week, we actually didn't have a ton of questions from readers. And I think it's because everybody has their head down shopping today for Cyber Monday. Either that or they're trying to get over their shirky hangovers or something. Um, but we did get one question from our own Eric Johnson, who Jason asked, who do I have to kill to get an NES classic? And I'm going to add myself mm. to that list as well, because I want to know how I get one of these things. Sure. So obviously, if you want to pay like 10 times the $60 price, you'll see some popping up on eBay. But the company has actually said that they are producing more and industry experts are expecting them to roll out sometime in December. They obviously did not make anywhere near enough. Um, I think it was they were selling out in something like uh, one and a half or two minutes on some of the sites that were carrying them. You know, so I would just say, <laughs> Eric, wait till January before you decide on that serious of a move. Otherwise, I would be looking to popular online and offline retailers for announcements on when they get more inventory. I'm in the same room as Eric Johnson right now, and he's making a sad face. He's literally just stuck his lower oh, lip out, well. and he looks bummed out about waiting until January. I would be bummed out waiting until January as well. Because oh, for goodness sake, That you thing people. looks cool, Kara. I just like 90... 
there's like 90 different video games. It's like, and this is the one many people threw out many years ago, which is kind of fascinating. It's nostalgic. My my question is, are are you going to have to blow on the cartridges? But I think there are no cartridges anymore. Is that right, Eric? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. It's all digital now. The future. That is correct. Oh, my God. Anyway, you can handle it. You might want to pick up something called a book or reading, stuff like that. So let's talk about some other things, like alternative sites. It's not all Amazon. It is all Amazon to care of Swisher, but what are some alternative sites for people to shop on, Jason? Jet is one, which um, is now owned by Walmart, which is really aggressive on pricing. They also have some unique ways to save money. If you um, are, are buying a bunch of products at the same time, you might get some discounts. And they actually, you know, they made an acquisition of a home decor and furniture site in the past year. So if you're looking for, you know, shopping in advance for summertime, maybe for some deals for outdoor furniture, you could find some there. Also, just in time for the holidays um, there, you know, they have all the popular gifts. So that's one. Um, There are some sites also that are pushing back against the idea of Black Friday and Cyber Monday and the discounting and are trying to take a different tack by saying, you know, on these days, we'll we'll donate some of our profit to to some cause. So, you know, there's a young online retailer called Everlane, which is, is clothing and apparel. And some people, you know, I'm told some people in the millennial generation sort of like the idea of giving. And so uh, it's all, I mean, the truth is it's all really marketing across the board, whether it's discounts or the idea of giving, but those are a couple that come to mind on sort of different sides of the uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday equation. Jason, I, I suddenly had this vision of you as like senior outdoor furniture reporter because you mentioned out, it was so you know, specific. T- you're like, maybe what? if you're looking to like June right now and you're looking for some of that wicker outdoor so my furniture w- at a So discount. my wife and I recently bought a home and we actually have a backyard, um, which neither of us have really had in a really long time. And so it is top of mind. I will say <laughs> the anecdote is my own an- anecdote. <laughs> that was great. So are there security measures that people should be taking, not just today, Cyber Monday, because by the time our audience listens to this, it's going to be later in the holiday shopping season, just to make sure they're not sharing sensitive information with bad actors. You mentioned Target earlier. Target, of course, was you know involved in a pretty major hack a few years back. This happens a lot. What can people do to be safe? Sure. So if you're shopping in stores, I'm going to sound like the tech guy saying this, but Really, I mean, if you can pay with a Apple Pay or an Android Pay, you know, they are typically about as secure as anything you can pay pay with right now in stores. Chip cards are pretty safe as well. Um, the The problem is, you know, they are hard to clone, but uh, you you still can strip some data out of them if a retailer is breached. Um, a lot of people will say, well, then, you know, the bad actors can't really do anything with them because it's hard to clone the chip. So I would feel pretty safe shopping with chips online. You know, I know a lot of people that still do choose to shop with using PayPal. Um, they feel like that's a safe option. Apple Pay is now rolling out to some websites in addition to apps. Again, that's a pretty that's a pretty safe way to go. The rollout on the web for Apple Pay you're probably not going to run across it that often just randomly because they just started rolling that out. But I would say by by next holiday season, you should see that on a lot of sites you visit. And then, you know, even on, on sites like Amazon, you just want to make sure you have 
your security is as tough as it can get, which means, you know, setting up alerts if accounts are signed into from devices that haven't been before, anything like that you can do. I think we probably have all had some scary experiences um, over the last couple of years. Uh, is phishing still a thing? Do people, you know, do hackers still send emails that look like they're coming from retailers and you click on them and they're, they're actually not legit? I haven't recently seen a ton of that with retailers. I have seen that with banks for sure, which again is, is pretty scary. And then, you know, I still find a lot of a lot of the ways that information is still stolen, obviously digital um, has a lot of holes in it, but, you know, something that's hard to stop is, you know, local stores or gas stations having skimmers, uh, so-called skimmers on on the uh, card entry space. I actually saw a tech reporter post on Facebook recently. This happened. He he believes this what happened to him in his in his local town of Massachusetts. Um, so I you know unless you're really looking for that, it's kind of hard to stop. But um, I personally am, am that person that checks my credit card and bank accounts. You know, a couple times a week, which may sound crazy, but um, I'm pretty paranoid about this stuff. No, that's good. I'm impressed by that. One thing that I try to do is two-factor authentication on Amazon and other sites, if they have it. Amazon has a coded system um, so that it only comes to my phone or other places when I'm making purchases. And I do that on banking, most most of my shopping things that I can do, um, so that it's always clear that I'm making the purchases. And, and the weak point tends to be the credit cards themselves more than anything else. I've already had two false credit card returns this, this holiday season. It's amazing that there's still some... Uh, big companies that don't offer two-factor. But um, yeah, that's a great point specifically about Amazon. It's great. I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy with the whole idea of it. It works beautifully and it's slightly inconvenient, but I feel more protected. And I do feel that there's, if I'm ordering something, it's me ordering it. And it forces anyone who's ordering on my account to do that. Excellent. Uh, Lastly, Jason, is there anything that you think is going to pop out besides the NES Classic? Any other thing that's showing, you know, every every year there's some crazy online things. I know these hatchlings are pretty popular, but is there anything else that you uh, are, I think they're called hatchlings or something like that. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the one I was actually going to say. I was talking to sort of industry analyst the other day who was saying he he was interested in seeing what happens to Target and some other retailers that last year were counting on some exclusive like Star Wars uh, merchandise that was super, super popular and bringing people into their stores. And and we were talking about how this year there's really there's really not that thing. But the one that did come up was, I believe it's Hatchlings. I don't know if that's the exact correct pronunciation, but it's, I'm going to go with it. So I don't know exactly what they are. I think maybe... I do. We have one. We opened one yesterday. Yeah, they're they're weird. They they coo at you. It's an egg that you hold until it hatches, and then a little robot thing comes out—a little robot bird, essentially—and it talks all the time. It's 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 slightly bizarre. We had it going in the car yesterday all day. It was a very odd experience. Has it gotten funding? Yet? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, Jason, thank you for joining and thank you for inspiring me to actually cross-check other websites now um, rather than rushing through my shopping. And if you all enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review as well. That's at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And subscribing is great. You'll be the first person to listen to new episodes every Friday or to catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions 
questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. Yep. Just go to iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, or Stitcher. And you can just go to the website as well. You can go to Recode.net slash podcasts and find every episode there. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. And if you're feeling like you want to listen to some Verge podcasts, uh, Walt Mossberg and Eli Patel host Control, Walt Elite. And Eli also usually hosts the Verge cast. And Chris Plant hosts What's Tech. And you can find all of those on iTunes and all the other places. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to tooembarrassed at recode.net. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Casper, SoFi, and Indeed Prime. Thanks also to Digital Media, the company that distributes this show. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then.